listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this afternoon. I thank you for everyone that's here today. Father, whether in this house or those listening virtually, whatever happens, even with technology, I thank you, Lord, that your word goes before you. Lord, you hem us in and behind. Lord, you're familiar with all our ways, and we ask that your word, as the promise of your scripture declares, that it would speak to us. It would bind us together in your truth, that your words would be spirit and life, Lord Jesus, as you declared, as you declared over each of us. Work through us today as we look to your word. Empower me to speak truth and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're in agreement, continue to stay in agreement. And amens and thank you, Jesus, and hands up and even whatever is, is good. You know, I was encouraged yesterday. I was in Pickering for a, a minister's conference with Canadian Christian Ministers Federation. And that's the fellowship that Brian Vaughn, Pastor Dr. Reverend Brian Vaughn, um, spearheads and, you know, Hope for Day Keswick helped launch this assembly. And so it was good to be at that conference. It's a little bit of a drive, but it was worth it um, because we were all in like-mindedness and coming together and encouraging one another. And Brian brought the word so, so wonderfully, um, just timely, encouraging myself and just spoke to me that I, I speak to you and speak blessing over you that where we are as a church family, where we're headed, how we're meditating on the word of God, we're digesting the truth. We are on the same page as many brothers and sisters in all parts of the world. And so I want to encourage you today, when we get into the end of Galatians, don't be dreadful when you get into the word. Use it as an opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, how are you speaking to me today? I want to walk in your ways. I want to walk in the footsteps that you blaze for me. Amen. And so here we are. We are finishing Galatians. It's been a number of weeks. And so right um, in uh, Galatians chapter 6, it's important we, we finish things out right from there. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens in this way. You fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine, examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And look at what large letters I use as I write to you my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. 
For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through that cross, and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. So encouraged in those words, so many places that we can go, but right here at the end when he says, the marks of Jesus. Paul made it very clear that through the, the time of, of, of sharing the gospel, going from place to place, villages and towns and cities, it wasn't an easy journey, but it was worth it. It was worth it. He had the marks to show. He had the people, the testimony of people, those who were enduring in the faith, and also those who couldn't stand Paul, and they wanted to get him out of town as quickly as possible. And he bore those marks too. He bore insults and all sorts of colorful things. And yet we can see this encouraging tone from Paul. At the end of the day, what is all this other stuff in the world and all the, you know, the, the works of the flesh? It means nothing in comparison to what we have in Christ, through that cross, the finished works of Jesus. That's what I walked away with yesterday. I was at conference. It's amazing when you're there and you're hearing, you know, another person speak and share. And it wasn't that I was tuning out, but I couldn't help but continue to think about our time here today and just remembering and just sitting and, and resting in that finished work of Jesus Christ, that finished work. And so here he speaks in verse 16 of Peace. He says, peace come to all those who follow this standard. And before that, he says, what matters is a new creation. A new creation. You, I, are a new creation. And you know, we can never grow tired of hearing this. Sometimes we've almost like swept it away and tucked away in the vault of our spirituality. That, yeah, we know this and we tuck it away. We even put maybe a padlock on it. But it's so important to who we are that we are a new creation. Our identity, as Paul is showing through this whole letter, our identity is not in the things that we do. It's not in the things we do. You know, it really struck me when I was at the conference yesterday and someone said... Um, so Andrew, uh, tell me about yourself. And right away, you typically start with the things that you do, right? So it's naturally just those things that we, we do. We tell other people about the things that we do. But rather, Paul is encouraging us here. That's how he was able to stand the marks of time and the marks that he bore in his ministry was through his identity, the new creation of who he was in Christ. And you know what? He drew this, drew this, the power of this new creation. That's where he drew his very life out of that relationship with Jesus. 
And I was encouraged in the spirit as I was praying about this in relation to encourage and I believe will bless you here today. When Jesus Christ, who is your life, you can bear all things. When you face a terminal diagnosis, you can bear all things. When your job is in jeopardy, you can bear all things. When I've, I've lost my job so many times, I can't even count. And there were times where I'm like, I don't even know what in the blazes is going on. I'm serving the Lord. I, I love the Lord. I'm not perfect, but it's, you know, things where even the government would say, well, this, these are wrongful dismissals. Do you want to sue? And then I'd say, well, Lord, do I sue? Your word says, you know, we should settle things and work with one another as best we can. It, you know, I don't want to put a name, bad name against the church. And yet at the end of the day, because my life was in Christ and he said he's going to provide for me that I can do all things in Christ. Well, I can get along. I can continue on keeping on, but sometimes it's tough. And so Paul, he's not making any mistakes. Well, he's saying, look, I get it. Things are tough. He says, look, people are going to go and they're going to have issues. They're going to misstep, but they're not along. And when you see that person misstep, don't crucify them. Remember who was crucified for them and restore them. Encourage them with truth. Let me ask you this question today. Who or what things do you draw life from? Who or what things do you draw life from? You know, at Halloween, I'm not speaking against Halloween, but one thing that grieved my spirit was the amount of believers applauding the things of darkness, applauding how wonderfully scary people's face makeup was and, and glorifying the horrific pictures that were taken throughout Waterford where people are dressing up as witches and, and disgusting darkness. But it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it shows us the perspective of who we are and what we're supposed to be focusing on, not on a worldly perspective, but on this new life of light. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 18, it says, from now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Did you get that part? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. You are a new man, a new woman. I've said it so many times. Peter said it so many times. We can never again grow tired of hearing this. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And it says, verse 18, Paul's not saying, again, this isn't in you. This isn't in the works that you do, the iron that you pump to become that new man or woman. You know, he's saying everything in verse 18 is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And how this encouraged me late last night was that how we are seated with Christ, our union with him empowers us to walk in all his ways. And that newness is to be a beacon, is to be a light, that the things and struggles you're enduring, it doesn't have to be that way. That if you turn your hope to Jesus Christ, that you can walk in the newness of life that he promised. 
It's not something where Jesus said, hey, good news, Sylvia, I gave my life for you. You see the marks, you see the nails, but you're not gonna realize this in completion until the day I come back. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to make do. You're gonna just have to put up with all this stuff. But he's saying, no, I've given you a new heart. I put a new spirit in you to walk in my ways and my newness of life. I am the light of the world. Anyone who looks to me, right? They will not walk in darkness, but will have the light that leads to life. So I ask you again, who do you draw your life from? And as we look around the world and we are reminded of how closer we are today than we were yesterday to Christ's return, I think of Colossians 3 verse 4 who says this, that speaks to the life for which we have. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But look at the first part. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Is he only our life when he comes on the clouds? He's our life now, as much as he is then. The only difference then from now is then we will be fully as he is. But now we see in part, we prophesy in part, we are a new creation in work. Our, our stinking thinking, as uh, Pastor Andrew Folly likes to say, is being renewed by the Holy Spirit. And as we follow that prompting, you better believe he's transforming us in all of our ways. In all our ways. And you know, sometimes Pentecostals can get a bad rap. And I'm, you know, I just want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of being a Pentecostal. Because if you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's so much more than the spiritual tool belt. It's because the fruit of the Spirit's being developed in your life to be a newness of life. This new creation. You know, I remember so many times, my dad, I cherish, so cherish the times we would have to sit down and talk. He was always a, a steady voice of encouragement. Any of you that know him, and he'd be there for a phone call and, and or in person, go for coffee, what have you. But he always emphasized that the words of Jesus were spirit and life. And are you listening for his voice? You know, he was a kingdom-minded person. He was kingdom-driven, and I'm thankful that he modeled me, modeled for me and John and our family those kind of things, especially being the earthly father. You know, we all have our struggles. He had his struggles, but he desired to live life. He would always say to me so many times, bro, I'm sure you remember this. He would say, Jesus came to give you life and life to the full. How wonderful is that? The good shepherd, he calls you, you know his voice and you follow him and he leads you in life everlasting. It almost like it just, almost like a broken record for a good thing. What I would give to have that record again. Playing. Again, Andrew, it's but life to the full. Don't worry about what the world's doing. Don't try to be like the world. He would constantly say, life to the full in Jesus. You know, when I mentioned earlier about losing work and such, he would say, Andrew, Jesus is your author of your life. The author and perfecter. He knows your journey. He knows what he's bringing you through. He's not caught off guard. He has a plan and purpose in all this. He's developing your character. And as you don't curse his name, he's working in you. You are stronger than you were yesterday. And boy, was he right. Don't you love how fathers and godly parents know the truth and they speak the truth in your life? We're told in scripture, Jesus says, 
that he's the good shepherd. And this tells us that his plan is to not destroy you or to lead you over the cliff, but to lead you on the path of life. John shared here as we were singing in worship that as the shepherd, we follow his voice and he guides us in all our ways. Are you drawing your life from Jesus? Are you listening to him? John 10, 10, verse 11. A thief comes to only steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they, put yourself in there, I have come so that Andrew, so that Jim may have life and have it in abundance. Don't you love that word? Mine is a CSB. Whatever yours might say, it might say to the full. Abundance means you are complete and lacking in nothing. You know what I love about that? When scripture says you're united with Christ, that word there in the Greek is oneness, which means singleness, wholeness, harmony, unity. You are united with God because of Christ. Jesus is the fullness of God. Therefore, it says if Christ dwells in your heart, the fullness of God is working through you which means you can have life the full and abundance because you have everything you need. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's why Paul in Galatians, he says, I'm not boasting about anything. He had a lot of reasons to boast. He was a studied man. We believe he was a member of the Sahandrian. He was tied, trusted, and zealous in Judaism. But then Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven, got a hold of his life and he realized it wasn't about those things. And so when he says, I boast about nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified, he's emphasizing the good shepherd went to the cross for me and laid his life down for me so I didn't have to. And now all that's on me is to believe that his work is done and I'm a new creation? I mean, what a sweet deal. There's nothing left for you to do. Thank you, Jesus. Life to the full. Do you believe that's possible today? Life to the full? Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes when we go through struggle, when Paul talks about, you know, when you see your brother or sister in wrongdoing, you are spiritual, restore such a person. Sometimes in the church, we can begin to think, this is it for me. I've misstepped, I've wronged, it's all over. But that saying, it's not, not just for power to walk and avoid temptation being conceived into sin, but now when, you, when you've given birth to it, that's not the sentence of death because Jesus carried the sentence of death for you. And so now he's familiar in all your ways and he's able to come over you like he spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery. You all know the story. Everyone wanted to stone her. They wanted to pronounce sentence. And here are four shadows where Jesus says to the woman, it's not that there isn't, wasn't gonna be punishment or discipline, but he's saying here to the woman as she's looking around, probably looking for that first stone. Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you Go, and from now on, sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So you better believe when she was leaving there that day, Jesus is speaking to her, right, and foreshadowing what was going to happen when the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit is going to enable you to walk in all the ways of the kingdom of God. You're not going to return to the old ways. 
but you have to decide, do you want his ways? Do you desire his voice above all others? Do you desire to really be rooted in that new creation and let it bubble up and blossom? Or do you maybe want to be grafted in all different sorts of the garden of the world? But Jesus says it's going to be sacrifice. Luke 9, 23, we've all quoted it many times. When Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. His victory is our victory. When you think of this image, when Paul talks about the cross and he he speaks about restoring one another, we can remember that our passions, all our desires, the rebellion, all that stuff has been nailed there. You know, sometimes I like to actually picture what's been nailed there. I'm a very visual person. And there's times where it moves me emotionally because I'm like, my God, you took care of it all. Thank God it's an exhaustive list (laughs) and not a limited one. (laughs) That's why Paul draws attention to this cross and, and carrying one another's burdens. Again, you can't carry yourself nor the person beside you in yourself. You need to rely on the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who says, I know what you're going through, but what took place on the cross? The enemy wants you to think that that, for one, hasn't been taken care for, but even more so saying, you might as well pack it in. You're finished. And yet scripture tells us the call of God is irrevocable. And how I can, uh, you know, connect that and reconcile that as a minister of reconciliation with what we have in Christ with that irrevocable call is that the word of God says that because you believe in Christ, you are forever secure in his hand. No one can snatch you from his hand. You might have moments of doubts. You might have moments of trouble. But when we are faithless, he is faithful. I've been forgetting to give you my points, but point number three is this. We all have Christ living within us. The agency, therefore, of his spirit working powerfully within us. Think about right now, visually. Christ is in you somewhere, somewhere beneath the bones and all the, the structure of who we are. He is, he's right there. And that you, therefore, because he's in you, you are seated with him in heavenly places. The very provision and power of heaven is there like the wind in your sails. That means that we have the ability, the means to walk in what Jesus then declared as finished on that cross. So that's point number four is this, that we are to walk in that finished work that took place on the cross. Too many times, and we talked about this at the conference yesterday, we thank Jesus for the forgiveness and the shed blood. But there's sometimes where we, we stop there and we carry the bags and the things of the world and the voices of the world and we don't walk in that finished work. But at Calvary, what did Jesus say before he gave up his life? Shout it out. It is finished. It is 
finished. That exhaustive list, it is finished. He fulfilled the law. Hello, the over 670, whatever the number is, obligations of the law, it is finished. Could you imagine checking off that list? It points us back. I love how scripture in conformity points us all the way back to the garden. That, that which was fractured in the garden has been restored. You remember what God said when he created the man, woman in his image? He said, be fruitful and multiply and you have dominion over creation. So then now in Christ, he has restored that dominion, that freedom that we have to walk in his good purposes for our life. Let the words of Genesis 1.28 just encourage you today. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That word is the same sense as dominion. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that calls the earth. And so Jesus gave his life to return us to that place of this dominion, of this life, and this freedom to rule and reign in this earth because of who we are situated in, in Christ. So two things I want you to walk away with today is that important reminder of who we are in Christ. It speaks to the totality of salvation because of in Christ, I am forgiven. I am sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed. And so in Christ, his instrumental agency is faithful and continuing day by day. It never stops. So whether it's during the day and the hours when we have a little bit more energy, a little bit more strength to resist the enemy, it's even powerful in those waking hours late at night when maybe you're more susceptible this is the majesty, this is the union, the power of who we are in Christ. And so Paul, earlier in his letter, before he ever got to chapter 6, he writes and says, For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. I like to think of it as, you know, I'm a sci-fi guy. I like to think about it my own personal shield. Like a video game, you go around and the shields would go up and you're protected from the world. But you gotta put the shields on. I'm clothed with Christ. And the only time that shield comes down is we say, we see the door and we hear the door and there's a knock at the door and we say, well, come on in. Lower shields. <laughs> Lower the shields. But here Paul is reminding us, shields up. You see your brother or sister who has stepped in wrongdoing. Come to them with a gentle spirit, but watch out that you yourselves are not tempted. You know, we live in a time where we so desperately, because of love for those that we know and we care for so deeply, we, we, we want to at times come alongside and affirm we gotta keep our shields up. I know it sounds really silly in using that reference, but I think it's, I think it's so applicable. <laughs> and Paul told the believers in Colossus, he said this about a man, um, Epharis, Epharias it might be pr uh, pronounced, forgive me. He says, Colossians 4.12, Epharis, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings he is also wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured 
and everything that God wills. You have to love the people in your life that are championing you and cheering you on for things in maturity. Here we can glean wisdom, the difference between a life of religion and a life of power through our union with Christ. We're hearing, we're seeing this far better freedom, new covenant relationship of what we have in Christ and Jesus speaks over us here today. John 15, five, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in him and I in him produces much fruit because without me, you can do nothing. Now we know there's a lot of things that we can do without Jesus when we don't clothe ourselves with him. There's a lot of, you know, sticky situations we can get ourselves in. We, as Paul says, you can even reap destruction if you're not careful. But when we look to him and his voice, he's the master gardener and he's pruning, he's working on the things in our life. And because we're united with him, it's important to allow that identity to wash over us, to speak over us, to be what we prefer over the identity of all things in the world. I'm going to invite you here today, right where you are, to take Christ at his word. You know, when he says, when you seek me, I will be found by you. I will reveal myself to you. When his word, because he says he is the living word of God. When he says that we can cast all our cares on him for he cares for us. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to ask. And he's, he's never far. Heaven is always answering. But we need to be ready to listen and draw our life from his voice. You know, there's a lot of times where we go to different places and we don't take the Lord at his word. You know, when you think about the story about um, the, the fish and the loaves, you remember that story? The, fish, the fishes and the loaves and, you know, when, when the people came and they were, they were hungry and Jesus said to his followers, well, you, you feed them. And it said, you know, when they came, they, he had them all sit down. He took the fish and the loaves and he, and he, and he broke the bread. He, well, he blessed it first and he broke it. Then he gave and they had more than all they needed. But right there before he even said those things, it said that they, they sat down. And as they sat down, they watched as Jesus' miraculous power worked in their midst. Sometimes we just need to, to sit down. I'm trying to do this play on words that you are situated and seated in Christ and that his agency, his grace is sufficient for you to work in it that you will have not only enough, you will have more than enough. Amen? And then because you have so much, you're saying the person, your brother and sister left your right, 
man, what I have, what Jesus is doing in me, it's as if you're saying, I want you to have what I have. I'm here for you. I know it might seem like the end. Maybe some voices you're hearing other things happening, but I want you to know that Jesus is working you. He has never stopped working. Can we pray together? Can we work together? And when you realize, I love this, when you emphasize the, the newness that we have in Christ, that we're situated in him, our oneness, our union, it brings God inhabiting the praises of his people as John comes to a whole new level. Because you're situated in Christ. Doesn't that bring that verse to a whole new level? It says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So you have more than enough. Psalm 22, verse 3. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. John 14, 13, or 4, 13. This is how we know we remain in him, and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. Romans 8, 10 to 11. Now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So as you remember those words, you can think all the way back to where we began this afternoon. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. His life is sufficient for you just as much then as it is now. Do you receive that? I'm right there with you that I would believe and trust that he is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for me. That Jesus is faithful in continuing the work in my life. And so as the worship team begins to play and, 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 and set that atmosphere, rightful atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst, I invite you just to empty your hands, if you will. You know, when the followers came again, they came with the fish and the loaves, they had to give Jesus the fish and the loaves. Now, yeah, we know he was teaching them and he was you know, walking them through this application. But for us, for all intents and purposes, you can't see what the Lord wants to do in your life until you give it to him. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. It's not about what you feel. Feelings can mislead you. It's about what you know. And the power of the word says that the word of God is able to make you wise for salvation. And so in Christ and all those things are true for you today. It's not I feel, it's I know. I know, I know that I know that Jesus says in him will be life and life of the full devil. You can't have my life. You can't have my marriage. You can't have me because I'm bought and paid for. It is finished. Amen? Amen. Bro, would you lead us? Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with us here? We're singing this one last song. Such a, fit, such a fitting song, the final say, that I am convinced in the power and the name that could not be stopped by a cross or a grave. Jesus, hallelujah. Felt the 
you, King Jesus. You are the final say in your power and your name is so magnificent, Lord. We thank you for this day that you have given us, the Lord Jesus, opportunity to worship you, to proclaim your great name. Thank you, King Jesus, so much for everything you have done and you are doing in our midst. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over every person here today as Pastor Andrew has preached here, that may we go knowing that we are a new creation, that whatever we face day in, day out, Lord, that we can rely on you and your truths, that we can speak those over our life. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to each person here to guide us and direct us to be your hands and feet. Lord, may they be blessed as they leave here today and those who could not be with us. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah, church. What a wonderful God we serve. It's so good having you here. I hope you're encouraged as much as I am here today. So God bless you all, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. And uh, we have it now. Great, guys. Take care.